Welcome to Supergirl's Attic. I'm Cycles. And I'm Vivi. And this is our companion episode for episode six of season six of Supergirl, titled Prom Again, the second part of the two-parter back in Midvale. This episode, we decided to focus on choices, and particularly with relation to Cat Grant, who we haven't seen in a while, or CJ Grant. Yes. So I had mentioned... A couple episodes ago in the podcast that there's been the nice undercurrent of like musical theater stuff Mm. hidden away in a lot of the episodes. And this one, I want to mention a musical that wasn't like specifically referenced in the episode, but it came out the year before Supergirl premiered. And it's called If Then, which is a computer language syntax, Mm -hmm. which typically is if something, then something else, other option. Mm-hmm. And the musical uses a very similar conceit to this storyline in Supergirl of there's this woman who's at a crossroads in her life and considering how things might turn out if she makes a different choice in this one particular turning point. Mm-hmm. And the whole play is then two split timelines, one where she chooses to pursue a relationship and the other where she chooses to pursue her career. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a conclusion at the end where she ends up basically starting over again in a third timeline. So, <laughs> um, Oh, I wish I had that power. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it, it covers the same idea of even if you make slightly different choices, you're still you mm-hmm. and things still sort of turn out ultimately similar. Right. But the other thing that made me think of that particular musical is the fact that this episode really leaned into the idea that there are certain times in your life where you really feel the weight of this need to make choices in specific kinds of ways or to seize opportunities before Mm. you lose them. Like Kara finishing high school, especially in the States, that's this really like kind of high pressure decision time because you're an adult now and you have to decide like what you're going to do with your whole life. And it can feel very kind of scary. And we know Kara doesn't like changes and Mm -hmm. is clearly struggling a little bit on that in this episode. We also see kind of college as one of these points of transition and decision making different than high school as kind of an end point. College is a beginning point where it feels very open ended. You have lots of possibilities to explore. You have like mental downtime for the first real time (laughs) in your life to kind of think about who am I? What do I want for myself? And then kind of earlier midlife is where Kat seems to be in this episode where you're old enough to realize that some doors may be closing for you if you don't take advantage of your time. Mm -hmm. And we had wondered during the hiatus if the show would take advantage of crisis and choose to use it as an opportunity to revisit Some characters that we haven't seen since mostly season one because of production changes. Mm -hmm. And specifically, we had talked about Kat because her mentorship for Kara was such a critical thing to her early development as a character, both as Kara Danvers and as Supergirl. And they did. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Here she is. (laughs) Yeah. So that was really nice that they did do it. And the other thing that was interesting was they brought Kat in in a what I'll call rebirth adjacent way, (laughs) because in that version of the comic, a younger Kara actually works for Kat. And she's also at kind of a similar age to where she is in this version of reality. Mm. So Kat specifically, this version 
of her, who we know as C.J. Grant, (laughs) is really interesting to me, specifically for the amount of things that were different but also the same. Hmm. One of the things they did that I actually liked was that they've kind of realigned her in a way that makes more sense with the backstory that she had about her time at the Daily Planet, where she was really portrayed as being a peer to Lois and to Clark, and that she had worked with James. And given the original age of the character, James wouldn't have been old enough to have been at the Daily planet by the time cat left it so this kind of like recalibrated that in a way that i think will work the other thing that i found very striking about this version of cat is that we're seeing her before she's really established her brand as cat grant in the very like social media influencer way Mm. which again kind of works for both the time period and for cat because the show has leaned into this idea of catco as like a BuzzFeed type media organization and Mm -hmm. BuzzFeed at this point in time was nothing. It was not a blip on anyone's radar. It really didn't rise to prominence until 2011 and within four or five years was being seen as a legitimate place of journalism in addition Mm -hmm. to presenting listicles on your favorite cat videos. So, (laughs) yeah, um, (laughs) yeah. Which makes sense in terms of how we've seen people react to Kara as a journalist and the idea that the quality has amped up over the years. Mm, Yeah. It's a lot easier to do in the like social media 2.0 era. And that was really only just kicking off in 2009-2010. So a lot of the architecture of how we understand the internet and digital communication today was still being built at the time that this storyline is taking place and didn't exist. So it's not totally odd to think that Kat could have become successful that quickly, especially when there was so much investment Mm. in companies like that in this time period. Like she very easily, if she had a reputation and like a friend with money and (laughs) her own money, (laughs) could have made this happen fairly quickly. Mm -hmm. The other thing that's very interesting about Kat here is that we're seeing a glimpse of the her we've only ever learned about in occasional introspective conversations with James or with Kara from season one of what it was like for her at the Daily Planet combating kind of the sexism inherent to these establishment organizations that were mostly run by white men. And to see her in this place where she's still really trying to play by those rules in a way that reminded me a little bit of Alex, who also in this episode was like, we need to follow the rules for the things. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, Kat's doing what she thinks she's supposed to do. She's paying her dues. She's putting in her time in a, you know, a department she doesn't like and that doesn't suit her skills. She's trying to work her way up the ladder the way that's Mm -hmm. fair. She's tolerating, you know, the indignity of not being called by her name. She's mentioned in the previous timeline, Perry White had a very volatile temper, could be really nasty, and is putting up with all of that instead of saying enough is enough, which is the point she gets to by the end of this episode. Yeah. On the other hand, so this is a very different cat, but she is still the same. She still possesses all of the qualities about her that we know and admire. Um, (laughs) Her tenacity is on full display in this (laughs) episode. We see uh, some very nice uses of creativity with her problem solving and ways that Mm -hmm. she obtains data. She is incredibly poised in the face of many a disturbing event that occurs in this episode. (laughs) She is every bit as ambitious and quick-witted and using her wordplay in in all the ways that we recognize. (laughs) And she's clearly confident in her own talent. Like, there's no question in her mind that she Mm -hmm. thinks she deserves more. 
And she really resents that she's been overlooked in ways that she feels like she shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. But that said, she still hasn't risen to the level of success that she did in the previous timeline. And so it becomes a question of, well, why not? What is holding her back from realizing her own success and her own talent? Well, I'm glad you asked that, Vivi. (laughs) Because I have some strong opinions about why that might be. I think that it has a lot to do with encouragement Mm. in terms of this topic of choices and what drives a person to make certain choices. And my opinion on this stems from Adlerian psychology, from Alfred Adler. Who's one of my favorites from personality theory. Mm. Yeah, he's considered one of the like three founders of psychotherapy, along with Freud, who we've talked about before in the unconscious episode, for obvious reasons, <laughs> and Jung. Carl Jung, who is personality theory, and and we talk a lot about extroverted feeling with Alex and Kara. But in Adlerian psychology, people are always striving for security, is the idea, and and not Mm, to be inferior like they felt when they were infants. And the idea that people form goals based in these like unique fictional understandings of how the world should be, which Mm. (laughs) makes sense in terms of like Alex and Kara, who we talk about their worldview a lot and what they think they should be (laughs) and the goals that they try to reach. And people also in Adlerian psychology form a unique style of life to meet these goals. So we see a lot of like free will show up in this understanding of how people work contrasting with you know freud who was all like we're driven by our subconscious yes and the internal processes define what happens and we don't have control over that and or behaviorism which we've talked about before which is only observable behaviors and events matter Mm -hmm. and our thoughts are not relevant at all exactly yeah (laughs) these two extremes and so adler comes in and he held that it's all interconnected and and furthermore that the individual is not controlled by those factors so both internal processes and behaviors and external observations that we can make about people and the events that happened to them inform a person but there's also this element of the creative power of the individual which is the idea that there's this freedom that allows individuals the ability to make decisions based on like a personal style, this personal style of life. And therefore, individuals are responsible for their successes and their failures. Well, to some extent. Or is it literally they're the only thing? (laughs) (laughs) They are in part responsible. It's about degrees and how things are interconnected. Mm. So like there's an interplay between your individual choices and the environment in which you are making them. Mm -hmm. And that both your like internal things that are happening without your knowledge and the external events of the world, you interpret these things and that gives you power to make choices. (laughs) And that power exists to both make the imaginary final goal of your whole life (laughs) and that style of life that is designed to reach that goal. And so we see in Adlerian therapy, you know, the way that therapists interpret Adlerian psychology to treat people, this idea of encouragement and a therapy style which acknowledges that an individual has agency insofar as that they like created their understanding of what their goals should be and they had a hand in that (laughs) and how they should reach them. And insofar as recognizing that individual have an internal drive 
to meet those goals. Mm. Yeah, which we've talked about before, like their intrinsic motivation for things. Mm -hmm. Precisely. And then in Illyrian therapy, because of that understanding, there's this idea of encouragement, which is the best way to help people. And encouragement is the act of providing positive feedback that focuses specifically on effort and or improvement rather than specific outcomes. So rather than like meeting specific goals, it's about improving and recognizing that you have improved. And this is something that is also a good skill for like people who are not therapists to have in terms of how we relate to one another and also in parenting and and ways to motivate people that we care about. And in this episode of Supergirl, we see characters use encouragement skills, particularly with like Brainy and Nia. And I have a quote here which runs through some of the specific skills that are involved with being encouraging. And this is within the context of therapy, but again, are also important skills for people to have. And these skills are demonstrating concern for clients through active listening and empathy, communicating respect for and confidence in clients, which we know is important for some of these characters, particularly Car and Alex, as we'll talk about. Focusing on clients' strengths, assets, and resources, helping clients generate like perceptual alternatives for discouraging fictional beliefs, focusing on efforts and progress. And all of these things are, I think, involved with specifically Brainy to Nia in this episode, like <laughs> focusing on her awesome new power that she just discovered as opposed to where she's at emotionally, which is like, I can't figure out my dreams mean. <laughs> and being like, you're actually really good at this, this other thing, focusing on the strength. And so we compare this method of encouragement to an idea that we see with Kat, which is pushing. She brings us up in the Livewire episode in season one, one of our, our go-tos. <laughs> yes, one of our favorite episodes to reference because it's one of the first ones that does those deep character dives. Speaking of dives, <laughs> which we'll talk about in a minute. A good choice of words. Nice. Yes. <laughs> but in that Livewire episode, Kat describes how her mother always pushed her, as in she was never satisfied with her. And that's something to which she attributes everything that she is and that she has done. Kat thinks that the fact that her mother always pushed her in this way and wasn't satisfied is what made her the person that she is. Mm, yeah. Which sort of goes against some of the ideas that we've been talking about this episode. And then you compare that to Lex, <laughs> the idea of pushing. <laughs> yeah. Which <laughs> Lex is also a person who relies on behaviorism, as we've talked about before, with his like conditioning tactics with Red Daughter. And that makes sense because he's not an empathetic person by any means and doesn't have as much of the skill of like understanding another person's internal processes, which puts him in a tricky situation with Lena a lot and not getting that she would feel like empathy for Kara. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or any human person. Or anyone yeah. else. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, Lex attributes Lena's success to his abuse. And, and he says it in season four. If I would have given you an inch, if I would have thrown a good job or cried out, that's wonderful every time you showed me one of your toys, which is, you know, again, belittling <laughs> toys. Especially since she's a child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think you would have been as successful as you are? And in that moment, it is persuasive for Lena in season four. This is the Oh Brother, Where Art Thou episode where he ultimately tricks her into trusting him. But she also does say, like, wait, are you trying to take credit for my successes? And then we see again in season six. Six, episode two, how she plays upon this idea that Lex has that he is responsible for everything that she's done because of his terribleness. <laughs> his egocentricity. <laughs> yeah. But the idea that because he pushed her in a mean way, she became better. And Kat in the season, season 
one, also believe that that was the case with her mom, that she made her better because of that mistreatment. And they believe that outside pressure is the motivating force to achieve, as opposed to this intrinsic drive that we've been talking about, the intrinsic drive to meet goals. Because they're what you want for yourself, not because someone else has placed them upon you and is putting this pressure on you. Mm -hmm. Well, or just acknowledging that the goals that you have are, you know, because of the way that you've interpreted other people's actions. Mm, Yeah. And maybe trying to change that goal, which would happen through, you know, therapy or or self-exploration. But that is something that is acknowledged through encouragement. And then Kat does the same thing with Leslie, where there's a specific end goal that Kat cares about and that Kat pushes Leslie toward, which is ratings. <laughs> Leslie says, and the last time I checked, as long as I delivered you certain ratings, you didn't care what sacred cows I went after. In their dynamic, apparently the thing that mattered was this end goal, the specific thing that Kat wanted from Leslie, as opposed to like fostering Leslie's growth as a person and, and wanting her to be the best version of herself. But Kat, you know, the way that she sees it is like, I should have pushed Leslie, held her to a higher standard. The more awful she was, the more I rewarded her, which is true in some ways. Mm. But it is still that sort of limited behaviorist outlook that resulted in Kat's situation, which is like, I want a specific thing for Leslie to be like a better person, as opposed to the encouragement angle, which is more open-ended and gives people more choice. And we see that pushing result in for Kat, she says, in her mind, her mother's, I've never lived up to my potential. And Gar's like, you're the queen of all media. (laughs) And she's like, yes, an accomplishment that never mattered to her. The thing that mattered was the specific things that Kat's mother wanted for Kat. And the fact that Kat achieved something great, but that wasn't, you know, in Kat's mom's plan, that means it's not enough. Yeah. Kat says, she was never satisfied with me, and so I've never been satisfied with myself. So her goals are very centered around what her mom's goals are. And so this idea of pushing is associated with, like, fitting a specific mold. There's no room to explore what a person thinks is an achievement. And we see it limit creative, like, goal-making and problem-solving and that kind of exploration. And in this way, Kat is trapped, which takes us to Cat in the cage in this episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the pink cat metaphor where Kat is, you know, trying to prove to Perry White that she is a talented reporter who shouldn't be stuck in the gossip column. And, mm. you know, the little PWs on the cage. So that is definitely yeah. <laughs> not subtle once you know. <laughs> I did really love that Nia didn't know who it was because it just backs up in season four and Nia having no no idea who Lois Lane was. I know. I find that so fun. <laughs> Me is like, my mentors are the ones who matter and I don't know anyone else. <laughs> it's like that nice like g- generational thing too. It is. Yeah, I love that. And it makes sense that Kat would be sort of stuck in this situation because of her want to prove herself to her mother and how that informs future relationships and and sets Mm -hmm. her goals in a more limited way and gives her less creative power. Mm. And it also makes sense then that she's trying to go about building her career in this traditional way if she's trying Mm. to follow what she thinks her mother wants her to do. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. But then we see Nia give Kat an encouraging speech. (laughs) (laughs) Completing the circle of mentorship. (laughs) It's true. And Nia uses a lot of the tools that we mentioned (laughs) for encouragement skills of like recognizing how Kat is 
skilled herself and the potential that she has to pursue her own view of what success is. And ultimately, the thing that Kat decides her goal should be is exponentially more ambitious than, (laughs) you know, what she had been planning for at the Daily Planet. And it also has the bonus of like not being weighed down by like feelings of shame and like trying to live up to this person who's above me, what they want me to achieve. She can just do the thing that she thinks success is. Well, the thing that has value to her as a person. Yeah. And Kat ultimately says to Perry White, I did not become a journalist to write about which celebrity is in rehab. I became a journalist to make waves, which brings up this like water-based metaphor thread Yes, within the mentorship in the show with Kat, Kara, and Nia, the diving and the making waves. And both of those are very encouraging compared to, say, the pushing. <laughs> and with the pushing, I just now, to tie into this metaphor, imagine in this scenario where someone's pushing someone into a body of water. <laughs> and, and this metaphor of pushing centers the one who is doing the pushing. The action is of the pusher. And it also implies a destination and that goal, that expectation. Like in Hell Life Wire, Kat says that she's always pushing the people around her in cars, like pushing Supergirl <laughs> makes that connection. And, you know, Kat's constructive criticism was good for Supergirl. And, you know, constructive being the key there, where she mm. wasn't, like, abusive yeah. like Lex was or belittling in the same way that her mother is. With Supergirl, she wasn't. With Kara, she was a little bit. And that's true. Some of, that is true. Some of the lessons didn't stick until Kat backed off of that. Yeah, yeah. When it shifts into being more encouraging, even though it has the sort of cat bite of it yeah. uh, in the there. The claws, if you will. The claws, yeah. <laughs> it's super effective. Ha. <laughs> Which takes us to the diving metaphor that Kat uses with Kara in episode one of season two, when Kara doesn't know what she wants to do for her career. And this diving metaphor centers the diver's experience and the decision making there. And it also acknowledges the fear and the overwhelming nature of like meeting (laughs) the water, meeting the world and, and what that can mean. But it also emphasizes the power in it. Kat says, now we all get used to our own personas and we're used to our own comfort zones. But trust me, in order to live, we must keep daring keep diving. And one of the things that we discover in this episode, or that I did, with relation to Kat as a mentor, was her ability to see through people and how that can be good or bad. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) For instance, like her particularly cutting insults (laughs) and very specific ones that she uses. But then contrast that with Kat's ability to see the potential in people and her ability to then encourage that part of a person. For instance, in this episode with younger Kat and Kenny (laughs) when she gives her little pep talk and says like in two minutes flat I could see that you are preternaturally intelligent and deeply courageous you've got the makings of a hero Kendall (laughs) in her her best way (laughs) of deliberately slightly (laughs) altering people's names yeah and so we know that Kat's ability to do this to encourage in that way is not something that like just appeared for the first time when, you know, Supergirl inspired her in season one. It is something that has existed within her this whole time. Yeah. And it's also her speech to Kenny really reminds you of her speech to Win in Human for a Day, where <laughs> similarly, Supergirl was not coming to save anybody. And right. the human people needed to figure out how to help. And Win is really struggling because he's intimidated by her and mm-hmm. the situation. And she's 
kind of just sighs at one point and is like, look, even I was like you once. And he <laughs> does not believe her. And then she explains that before becoming Cat Grant, she was a humble wannabe journalist with the heart of a real journalist. Mm -hmm. And that is the cat we are seeing mm -hmm. in this kind of flashback alternate timeline. And her ultimate point to win is that going back to her water metaphor, you need to rise to the occasion. And <laughs> I found it very telling the thing she says to him at the end of that, which is that's the story ordinary people finding themselves in the midst of a crisis doing something extraordinary because the whole point of season six up to this moment of when they're going to find Kara again is how Supergirl has motivated other people who are not super powered mm. to do extraordinary things. Right. Nice. And this is going all the way back to the beginning of the series and how that has been so baked in to the subtext of Supergirl as a story and also the way Kara has been mentored and in turn has mentored others. Mm. There's also just like the really neat little subtext of Kat gives these motivational speeches to awkward young men who remind her of her sons. <laughs> <Yeah>. So um, <laughs> That's true. Yes. Which is kind of cute in its own way because it's humanizing her in the sense that like you as an audience member know mm. that she is seeing something of her own life in these people yeah yeah speaking of empathy <laughs> yeah <laughs> and she has that same connection with Kara in season one and how she immediately apparently wrote reporter on Kara's resume right after they met and Kara's like oh, how <laughs> how did you see that and she says instincts and I guess I saw a little bit of myself in you which is interesting, too, especially in seeing this younger version of Kat, because you can see where that's true a little bit more. Mm, that's fair, especially with the instincts thread. Yes. <laughs> in this episode with Kara and following her instincts and later as a reporter. Yeah. That being her driving force. But in that season two situation, Kat lets Kara discover what she wants to do on her own <laughs> and then tells her later on that she thought that she would do that. And she gives her like an open-ended choice to do literally anything like within the company and only pushes back when Kara tries to use an algorithm to pick her life. <laughs> well, and also she pushes back only when she thinks Kara is selling herself short in the way that mm -hmm. we see Kat here in the flashback mm. is settling for less than what she can do. That's true. I like that. And Kara ultimately says about reporting when she discovers that passion, that it's going to make me the best version of myself. And that is a self that Kara picked. <laughs> yeah, which is why her words to Snapper when he really <laughs> is dismissive of her are so striking. She's like, but this is what I chose. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's awkward in the moment because it's like, I got to pick this job because I'm special. <laughs> he doesn't like that. <laughs> yeah. But the important part of it is Kara got to go on this exploratory process that she had the emotional support of people important in her life. And she chose something for herself because it made sense for her, which is something she has rarely done. Mm -hmm. And that's, yeah. that's one of the recurring themes in this episode, too. <laughs> Yeah, which we'll talk about. But in that scene yeah. with Snapper, it's a sort of thing where Kara has battled with making personal choices and mm. then is like, oh, I can do this. <laughs> and then it's like a rejection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where it's like, wait. <laughs> but I thought. It's also funny because like when Alex gets a rejection like that, she's like, just kidding. Never mind. And Kara's like, no, excuse me. I've made my life plan now. <laughs> like, you're going to let plan, me do though. this and just steamrolls right past it. Well, in some ways, <laughs> well, in some ways, Kara kind of gives up 
Oh, that's true. A little bit. She doesn't pursue it the way that she would if, I think, she didn't have that kind of shock. Yeah. Because she is quite a, like, you know, tenacious, as we'll say with Kat, person. (laughs) Yeah. Where she just kind of pushes forward to do the things she thinks she should do. But there's this doubt element here. That's true. For Kara, which then makes sense that Kat gives her this encouraging speech that is also like, how many times are I going to have to tell you (laughs) that you're amazing and awesome, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So Kat can be super motivational for Kara in a nice way, but there's also some like less great parts of that that are like why Kat clearly was fabulous at the gossip column, but maybe shouldn't be used when you're trying to form connections to people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Referring to Kat's like ability to see through people, maybe a pair of glasses. (laughs) And then in season one, when Kat relentlessly pursues getting Kara to admit that she is Supergirl. But then you contrast that with later on when she knows that Kara is Supergirl and doesn't confront her about it and lets her like basically choose when or if she ever wants to tell her that Supergirl is Cara Danvers. And she's protective of the information as any journalist with ethics would be. Hmm. At that point. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, contrast that with in this episode. And contrast is. that with now. Well, it, actually, it, the way that she is in this episode is a little bit closer to Siobhan. Mm, that's fair. Which then makes sense why she has zero tolerance for Siobhan <laughs> She's like, trying no. to do that to get ahead. She's like, that's not what you do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good point. But the struggle for Kat has been letting herself see people. Like, really see them. For instance, with, like, not calling people the right name or, like, knowing who they are at all. And that ability to see people, to really see people as, like, individuals who have value allows her to be a better encourager because the encouragement requires, like, empathy and having a depth of knowledge of the person. Mm, Yeah. And so this journey toward encouraging is kind of Kat's arc in season one, which makes this episode an interesting origin story for her. And in season one, we see Kat's say Supergirl is changing the conversation of National City in Livewire and and make that decision to change the direction of Catco because of this sort of positive icon in her life, bringing out something that we know she is able to do because of what we saw with Kenny. Mm, Yeah. Those sort of encouraging speeches. Yeah. And within Livewire, partly also they were leaning into their Thanksgiving theme, which... Mm is such a big component of the show as well. Mm -hmm. But the idea that Kat has of, rather than being so snarky, acknowledging her own role in contributing to that, Mm. why don't we instead, she says, elevate the level of discourse and emphasize people who do good things instead of maybe Mm -hmm. always being critical of bad things. And she comes to a similar conclusion in this episode and recognizing that She doesn't just want to be the snarky gossip columnist. She wants to elevate the content she creates and she wants to be inspiring in Mm. part because she was inspired by the vision of her life that Nia painted for her, Mm -hmm. which was the life she's actually secretly already lived. Uh, (laughs) um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. It's been interesting to see for, you know, old world cat, we'll say, (laughs) that progression sort of beginning within Livewire and and that decision to change the conversation. And then we see her encourage the people of National City with that speech in 107 
and Ankara then is like, you inspired me. <laughs> and there's a sort of cycle of encouragement happening. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, when Kat's mother mistreats Kara, when she makes an appearance, Kat decides to break that negative cycle and, and say, no, actually, she's an excellent assistant and doesn't deserve that verbal abuse. Mm. And then by the end of season one, Kat encourages Supergirl to just be Supergirl. As opposed to feeling trapped by her mother's choices, like Kara had been sharing with Kat. Mm, yeah. And the way that Alora had made the wrong choice. And so we see <laughs> these sort of ripples, we'll say, going back to the water metaphor, of encouragement between Kat and, and Kara and Nia. And Kara brings up this making waves metaphor with Nia in a scene which was within the text of the show compared directly to Kat. <laughs> yes. James gives her this hilarious look and is like, do you hear yourself? <laughs> yeah. Because she literally <laughs> punctuated the end of the speech with like, chop, chop. <laughs> this was the beginning of season four, right? Yes. Yeah. And, you know, taking that sort of diving metaphor and, and turning it into this making waves metaphor, which whereas with diving, one is submerging within the scary world, the unknown, with with making waves, a person is doing something that is also scary, but in how it affects everything else and the ways that it ripples outward. Mm. Well, and there's a little bit more of that element of you're controlling your choices because you're creating mm. the waves. Right. And you get to decide how big they are. Mm. Yeah. Kara says, so you're afraid to make waves? Okay, make them anyway. Make a tsunami. Which is sort of fitting for Nia as a character who, you know, Brainy describes as, you're a woman who stops tidal waves. Yeah. And for Nia as a character, that's the thing that she has needed, the encouragement to assert her identity and make a huge impact on the world. Yeah. And especially that was something she's struggling with in this episode was feeling that lack of presence from her mom. Yeah. And feeling like she doesn't have a sense of direction. And the whole point of this mentorship cycle is like, no, you choose what direction to go. Mm, yeah. And then Nia gives Kat this encouraging speech and, and Kat is psychically imprinted with this making waves <laughs> <laughs> metaphor and says that to Perry White. And then she she chooses her name, which is interesting, as opposed to letting Perry White dictate it. Yeah. <laughs> which, number one, I enjoyed that detail that Perry White had been calling her CJ, which, as we talked about last week, was possibly a little bit of reference to the West Wing. And CJ was the press secretary at the White House and Kat eventually becomes the press secretary. So like mm -hmm. that was a nice little fun play on the names there. But also it's interesting we see Kat here choose how she wants to define herself and present herself with her name, which again with that nice tie to Nia and then like the queer subtext of being trans and the power of names. Mm. It's just funny though because Kat always intentionally <laughs> misnames other people as like a power yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In a very Ron Swanson way. <laughs> yeah, but well, because, you know, we've talked about <laughs> cycles in, in terms of like the negative messages and pushing. Yeah. That's one of the things like misnaming people that I would prescribe to that mindset that is still present in the cat that we are more familiar with in mm. terms of like Perry White calling her CJ without like asking her, <laughs> you know, just naming yeah. her whatever he wanted. And then cat in turn, you know, just not using people names the right way and that giving a person a sense of power and then Kat coming to Midvale specifically like she wanted to name a hero yes which is similar to what she ultimately does in the original timeline where 
she finds her superhero who will save the Tribune and she names her Supergirl, much to Kara's dismay initially, (laughs) Mm -hmm. because Kara feels like it's a little bit of a put down at first to be called a girl when she is a grown adult. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's true. So it's kind of nice that they've managed to take that and recontextualize it a little bit because there was always a little bit of a fraughtness to the explanation originally right like we're stuck with it because that was the name they gave the character in like 1952 like there's no i mean i know i think that's explanation maybe works more than it sounds like it does i mean it does in the sense that like it includes people of all ages in a way that women does not really true yeah but that that was quite a, a point of contention in season one yeah Well, and I liked that we had this moment of Kat really coming around and saying, this is who I am and who I want to be in this episode, because that is the journey that Kara is on this season of deciding how she wants Mm. to present herself to people. It's specifically with relation to her name, where we've seen her intentionally saying, I am Kara Zor-El now to multiple people across multiple stages of her life, where before she felt really hindered Mm. with that. And also deciding, you know, who she wants to be as Kara Danvers and just as Kara, the person who unifies all of those various aspects of her own identity. Yeah. And we've also had this element come up, like I just said, with Nia, specifically in this season with her title as Dreamer and as a trans superhero. She was really clear with Lillian Luther. <laughs> Do not get that wrong. Um, <laughs> really clear. That's one way to put it. <laughs> That was a polite way of putting it. And then we also see it come up with Alex and the choosing of her superhero name and it being something that is integral to our understanding of who she is and that it's a name that she gets from a member of her family that has like a family heritage to it, but Mm. that also means something and reflects who she is as a person. Which is probably something that would have initially appeared in season five at the end. Yeah. But it's sort of a happy accident (laughs) in terms of this theme of names. Yeah. And then kind of shifting our focus from Kat, who we wanted to do this deeper dive on. Yeah. Pun. We know. Um, (laughs) Because this is the first time we've gotten to see her in so long. We do also have the other kind of main characters going through these choice related transitions in their lives. Like we have Alex in this episode who's picking up where she left off feeling like kind of trapped, but also not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Alex and choices in these two episodes is interesting in terms of her, I think, feeling limited. Like in prom night, Alex says, your powers don't give you carte blanche which is like the freedom to do what you want or, you know, the freedom to make choices. And I think that this, in terms of like the intensity that we see in that scene Mm. in prom night, I think that was partially because of how Alex was feeling like she doesn't have the freedom to make choices about who she is. And that's what she expresses in the car with Kara. Well, and that it's also specifically tied to Kara and Kara's use or not use of her powers. Right. Yeah. And her feeling like, I came home and you were making all of these choices I don't like and that our parents wouldn't like. That are ruining my life. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like I don't have the ability to make my own choices because I have to make sure you're making the ones that you're supposed to. <laughs> and Alex says, when dad put me in charge of your safety, that job consumed me. And we've seen multiple times how Jeremiah was more of a, a pushing or maybe a containing force as opposed to an encouraging one, which kind of makes mm. sense in terms of what they needed Kara to do, but was definitely tough and 
there were some questionable things with relation to Alex. Yeah. And encouragement there versus like maybe controlling. Yeah. And then the really great thing about the scene in this episode where they're in the the mom minivan um, <laughs> is Alex explaining how going to college and really getting to break away from the identity that she's been in this whole time of Alex Danvers, older sister of Cara Danvers, hmm. has given her space to see herself as more than just that role in her own life hmm. and to really explore her own wants and her identity as a whole person on her own hmm. and to get to make some other choices for herself, try things out, which is such a part of what college is and why it feels very liberating to a lot of people. Mm. It's also interesting that that conversation brings Alex and Carr around to a very similar place to where they were at the end of 202, the last Children of Krypton episode, where they have a similar kind of confrontation. And Alex comes around again to this same place of, I actually don't have regrets about choosing my family ahead of maybe other things. But she's also still able to get through to Kara and help her understand that, you know, Alex is making these choices because she loves Kara and she wants to, but that it mm -hmm. does take an emotional toll on her that she would like acknowledged. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Well, I mean, with Alex, the the question is always moderation. Yeah, she's... She's one of those characters who's not good at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's partially like her own, you know, going back to choices, a decision that she has to make and something she has to recognize within herself. Like, Car will be okay enough that, like, I don't have to worry about her 24-7. <laughs> yeah. Or I don't have to let the anxiety take over my life and, and limit my choices, even if, like, I need to be there when I really need to be there. <laughs> you yeah. Know? And that balance has been the toughest thing for Alex. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about Kara, Kara Danvers yeah. and her choices. I do like the way Kara put her feeling about not having choices in this episode, which was really interesting given that we talk about how Kara tends to have a high locus of control over mm. situations and things around her. Yeah. Well, there's sort of a, a push and pull there where mm. if you have control over everything, you can't just do whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's true with power yeah. you know comes responsibility yeah going back to the power as a theme there's literally her superpowers but there's also her implicit power and influence as an individual because of it mm -hmm. yeah and she's kind of struggling with both of those things yeah and she reflects on the position that she has been put in as we see her in this two-parter she says i didn't choose midvale i didn't even choose these powers i crashed here by accident and kind of got locked into this life which for me, harkens back to Kara saying in season one, I know that Astra and I were both given life sentences by my mother. We didn't have a choice. Although that one's a little more bleak in its outlook. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Well, that is, you know, Kara feels the weight of that expectation and mm. the push there. Yeah, that part's really interesting to see how Kara is reflecting or not fully yet on exactly what kind of burden she's inherited. From her parents a little bit, because Alora really gave Kara a predetermined path to follow as Krypton mm -hmm. was blowing up around them, which on the one hand, like, yes, great structure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. But on the other hand, really heavy, crushing expectations for a child who's right. just lost everyone and everything they've ever loved. Um, <laughs> I'll say. So yeah. she gets these two missions. Number one, look after Kalel, which 
she assumes she failed in because he's already grown up by the time she gets to Earth. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Kari didn't get the chance to impart some of the cultural things that she would have with kal yeah. and and you know, yep. basically like raise him in that way. And then objective number two from Allura is you will do extraordinary things because we're sending you to a planet where you will have these powers. Like, right. they chose Earth knowing that the sun would give Kara superpowers. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> not necessarily because they wanted her to become, like, an overlord of Earth, but it was, yeah. like, a side benefit. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have this thing in their culture, as we've seen it, where, like, Ral yeah. protects us so that we can protect others. And Allura imparting upon Kara, like, you have a heart of a hero. <laughs> and that being, like, a recurrent thing that she says to her. So there's this idea that, like, okay, here's your path. <laughs> yeah, so Kara's... Also thinking, and we've seen this from even like her baby flashbacks when she first arrives on Earth and is living with the Danvers. She's got this in her head that she's got to go out right away and just make her mark on the world and and use the powers. Right. And she's trying. Like, like <laughs> in every flashback we've ever seen, she does in different ways attempt to do that. Mm-hmm. But as we see here, she's really struggling with the weight of the difficulty of that and the level of intensity that comes with it. Well, and I think particularly with regard to choices, probably feeling stuck between <laughs> two different paths. Yeah. The Danvers family, what they want for her and, and her Kryptonian family, what they expected of her. <laughs> and Kara definitely has an opinion about which one she, <laughs> she prefers, <laughs> yeah. which is being a superhero. Kara finds joy in that. Like, that's not a question <laughs> for yeah. her. Kind of like with Alex, how Protecting their family is not something that she doesn't want to do. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just balance. <laughs> yeah. And we've seen the struggle with Kara, you know, being disposed toward superheroing and the Danvers family because they had to discourage her from making that choice because <laughs> she was very small <laughs> and young for her own safety and for the safety of their family. Yeah. So to go back to it, we have, you know, Kat's advice to Kara, which is just be Supergirl, not in a sense of, of expectation, but just, you know, make the choices that are right for you in this role because you're the only person who can do the things you do mm-hmm. versus Jeremiah going back to the pushing into certain directions saying, the world already has Superman. All you need to be is Kara Danvers. And that's not mm. encouraging her to be Kara Danvers. That's <laughs> shutting her down completely yeah, from something that's, that's really off. important to her. Like, closing like, off her options. Uh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Versus like Eliza's concern, which is usually you're very young. You don't have a lot of life experience and you may not be aware that you're putting people in danger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, but it's also with Eliza, there's never an explicit like you can do this later. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. There is an implication there that you should never be doing this. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. For your protection and for ours. And so there's a struggle as Kara grows and and explores and wants to make more choices and and has an idea of who she wants to be in some ways. You know, she's maybe questioning that later in the episode. And and she starts making decisions anyway, (laughs) despite what the Danvers are saying. Yeah. And, you know, this stresses them out (laughs) like we see with pilot alex who you know takes a drink of whiskey or whatever and as soon as Kara comes out as a super powered person who saved a plane like Kara actively saves alex's life and alex is like yeah never do that again never do that again (laughs) yeah speaking of discouraging and and Kara's face is so like crushed yeah Uh, she's like but i have to 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's also, she liked it. <laughs> it felt personally well, good. Well, yeah, she liked the act of saving people. Like, that part was important as well. <laughs> yeah. And in, you know, prom night, Alex is having the same stressed reaction. And we also see it with Eliza in Livewire and how she yeah. is, is... On the one hand, she's proud of Kara, but on the other hand, she's like... I leave the two of you alone for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so Kara in Falling in the Red Kryptonite episode talks about Alex like controlling her, which is something that this young Kara has echoed. And Kara says, deep down, you hate me. And that's something that is very tied to not feeling encouraged, not feeling like the space to explore who you think you are and therefore feeling like that part is not accepted. Mm. Yeah. And feeling like maybe you don't have an intrinsic value apart from like playing a role. Yeah, playing a specific role like Car Danvers or in other situations like being Supergirl. And Alex says, no, I'm proud of you. And she is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we have the same kind of dynamic in this two-parter with Car saying, Alex thinks she's looking out for me for my future, but really she's trying to control it. And then later, Alex is quite encouraging and says, you should be proud, Kara. I am. Which ties into this thread that we saw in season one, where Kara said, I need your faith, Alex, more than that S, more than that cape, more than anyone's. And also the second episode of the entire series where it's really setting up all the family dynamics that are at play. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's this conflict with Kara doubting whether or not Alex is proud of her or supports her. And again, in this situation where in season one, Alex is like, you asked me if I have faith in you and I do. I always have. Kind of assessing the fact that, you know, <laughs> there has been this doubt <laughs> throughout yeah. the years, but at the same time, she has always cared about Carr and, and been proud of her and thought that she was, you know, capable in some ways. And Yeah, well, and we've, we've seen that repeatedly in the way Alex will talk about Carr's abilities and her achievements when Carr is out of earshot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's sort uh, of... <laughs> it's like how your parents brag about you when you're not looking. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, it's also like... Alex feels like she has to play a role with Kara. Yeah. So therefore, she's allowed to have just like kind of her own mixed opinions about stuff with other people <laughs> in a way yeah. that she maybe would not be like super supportive of certain choices that she had doubts about with Kara directly. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't want to tell Kara that I thought it was awesome that she went and punched a meteor for like <laughs> over the, the baseball field. Like that was a really public place. That was maybe not a good idea. <laughs> At the same time, she's like, wow. And we see that pop up with Alex talking to Eliza in Livewire again, where Alex defends the situation where Kara has become Supergirl and like Alex, like, quote unquote, let her. <laughs> um, yeah. And she says she has done amazing things. And Eliza's like, I know that and I'm very proud of her, but she also put herself in danger. And Alex says she's an adult. <laughs> she's going to do things that you don't like. Yeah, kids <laughs> sure will. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that goes back to this idea of encouragement and how it means that sometimes it's not going to be what you specifically want them to do. But you're encouraging the other person to figure out their lives themselves and giving them the space and the, the motivation to do so. And this idea of like a person that you are looking after in some way doing things that you don't like or that you wouldn't do is interesting with Alex, Kara, and Eliza, and technically Manel. <laughs> yeah. In terms of what Alex said when Kara was struggling to guide Manel in season two about wanting Kara to be just like her when she first arrived and how that didn't work out <laughs> because Kara's <laughs> yeah. very different. 
And then also we see Eliza kind of wanting Alex to be like her, but like better than her. And there's a sense of pushing again there where Mm. there's a specific direction and then she wants her to move further along that line. And then you contrast that with what Alex says very encouragingly with Carr in this episode when Carr says, I hope it was the right choice. And Alex says, it is because you made it. By definition, your choice was the right one because it is the one that you wanted. Yeah, and that was a really nice moment because it reiterated the fact that Alex often plays this kind of role in Kara's life of being the person who gives her space to figure out what she wants and be the version of herself she wants to be. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, there is a little bit of that (laughs) push and pull of sometimes maybe how Kara should be an alien. Mm. But with a lot of other things, Alex is that person that Kara knows she can count on to let her have the room to to figure stuff out, like specifically with figuring out her feelings about dating, for example, or in season three when Kara is trying to decide if she wants to go back to Argo and spend more time with her mom, but like feels guilty about it because she feels like she's leaving her other family. Mm -hmm. And Alex is like, look, you always worry about everybody else and protect the whole of Earth. Please do something for yourself because it's what you want to do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um. (laughs) Yeah. And Alex's encouragement in this episode is what gives... I think, car the space to make the choice that she really wants to, (laughs) which is like, she's not choosing something that's for Kenny. Like, she's not going to Midville College and she's not making a choice to stay supering because that's what she's expected to do by her parents. And she's not just, you know, doing what Alex wants her to do because Alex said, go tell Kenny that you're going to National City University. She has been given the space to just take a minute and assess what she wants for herself. And that is to discover what she wants for herself. Yeah. And it's what do I want my life to be personally? Well, and she also makes the decision after seeing the consequences of what might happen if she doesn't learn more about herself and the other things she could be. And that steers her too. Yeah. And one of the things that encouragement (laughs) gives you the space to do is recognize like, where maybe you weren't right (laughs) or maybe where you should (laughs) be taking things into consideration because you're not on the defense and you're not trying to protect a certain identity and you can make a well-rounded decision based on both your own personal opinions and then also this like huge horrible experience you just had where (laughs) you almost were (laughs) taken away in a car or something (laughs) Uh, away from your family yeah (laughs) and and like your boyfriend and your sister get arrested (laughs) (laughs) yes <laughs> Which is not to say that, you know, Kara is like now, like, now I'm going to retreat and become Kara Danvers and not be Supergirl. It's just a decision that she's made to let herself have time to explore what she wants. Yeah. And that's actually a really important part of the journey from Kara as a teenager to the Kara we know today. And we talk about this a lot in the podcast. The things that make Kara the hero that she is are often the things that have nothing to do with the powers at all. (laughs) Yeah. So her recognizing I need this time to Mm. find out those things about myself and figure out how I can, you know, be a whole person is really like was a great conclusion to see her come to. Yeah. And it in turn inspired, you know, Kenny to make his own journey into yes. self-discovery. Oh. Bless Kenny. <laughs> yeah. He was so down on himself in a way, a little bit like Alex can be about mm. the fact that, you know, he's just the sidekick to the person with powers. <laughs> and by the end, he between Kat's encouragement and then also really hearing what Carr is saying, mm-hmm. he makes the decision that like, you know, it's okay that we're splitting up because I need to be my own person too. 
Yeah. I always enjoy that sort of subversion of the like high school relationship that they stay together forever. (laughs) (laughs) It's nice to see characters make the decision of like, my personal growth is important. (laughs) Yeah. And going back to the idea of encouragement, if you really do have that strong of a bond, you can grow and then be happy for each other and reconnect at some later point if it's (laughs) something that's still in the cards and you've maintained that relationship and that space and grown together. Mm. So it was nice to see like a kind of more mature take on that. Yeah. Because there are so many of those unrealistic like we're graduating high school, we're going to do everything together forever. And like (laughs) 99% of the time, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But I loved that Kara's kind of closing beat to that storyline was, I need to figure out who I am, and specifically the idea that she's going to choose her identity and how she represents herself to people. Mm. And one of the things that I liked about it is that the show has started taking advantage of crisis in some ways (laughs) to recalibrate things Mm -hmm. and to recalibrate things that maybe didn't work as well or weren't super clear in terms of messaging and what they were trying to say about specific characters. And Kara is one of those. So this episode was a really good build on stuff they did in the 100th episode of looking at have we talked about Kara's identity and why has Kara's voice been kind of absent in this conversation about her identity Mm. and her agency or lack thereof in choosing who she is and how she shares that information with people and when and why? Mm -hmm. And they really leaned into that in the 100th episode with Lena, where you saw multiple different timelines (laughs) where Kara tried to make a different choice before realizing that she was trying to make all the choices for someone else and not for herself. Mm -hmm. So revisiting Cat Grant and that piece of the origin story of Kara Danvers and Supergirl was another kind of a good choice mm-hmm. for exploring that conflict because in season one, all the way back to the episode of, of Stronger Together, episode two of the show, the whole focus was on Kat repeatedly trying to forcibly make Kara reveal who she was in a way that she was never comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And you see how uncomfortable it is much more clearly in this timeline and how it was not actually like a friendly or positive experience. (laughs) Uh, Right. Yeah. And it's funny because in season one, Kat, the reason that she was trying to like get Kara to say I'm Supergirl to Kat was not because she wanted to like write an expose, but because she had opinions about what Kara should be doing with her life and like Mm, whether or not she should have a job like at Gecko. Which is, you know, then makes her progression nice in terms of like literally letting Kara do whatever she wants <laughs> within the company <laughs> and letting her grow in this other way and in this other important way and recognizing like, oh, that is a side of her that has power and that has an ability to change the world is the way that she phrases it. So that was a nice sort of thread with Keck Grant and tie into season one now that we're heading toward the end of the Supergirl show. And it'll be nice to see this concept of like Kara choosing what she wants to do with her identity going forward. So far, we've seen her do it with Nixley and that not turn out so great. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) Some stress there with the identity thing. And then also with William and whether or not, you know, if she tells him things will go horribly. So we can look forward to seeing what her decisions are with that. Mm. And then in terms of other things that were choices, not necessarily (laughs) by characters themselves. (laughs) 
We also had musical choices in this episode that were very fitting. Mm. Number one, talk about the Lady Gaga throwback <laughs> to that time of my life. Really appreciated the use of paparazzi, both for like the lyrics of that specific moment where it was like, I will be your biggest supporter mm. with Alex talking to Kara, but also for the like, cat. there's someone stalking me with a camera who's maybe going to ruin my life with cat. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that was a nice like double use of that song yes and then also there was the nora jones song come away with me with brainy and nia dancing in mm. the ship dressed up all snazzy for prom which was just like the most wonderfully adorable scene yeah the show doesn't do a lot of like specifically romantic moments so this was really nice to see with them it was and it was nice for a couple of reasons like number one because i had mentioned like are they gonna go for like the prom the musical vibes hmm. because it is an lgbtq story and <laughs> this felt like that moment of it like you had the reveal of, of nia in her dress and brainy being like oh my gosh you look amazing and them having that really kind of stereotypical like adorable boyfriend girlfriend <laughs> slow dance moment yeah. But it was also, it was very private and it was on their terms, which was the other part of it that was really nice. That's nice. Yeah. They're adorable. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and then in terms of like score stuff, which we like to look at, You Will Do Extraordinary Things played in this episode. We talked about it with relation to the hollow Kara <laughs> versus mm, yeah. hologram of Kara's mom and how that theme has been a connecting thing for Kara and her mom and then also Kara and the Danvers family. But scores often have multiple meanings. And in this episode, I think the thing is the title, which is You Will Do Extraordinary Things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stemming from that moment with her mom. Because it plays during the scene with Nia and Kara in the barn. And Kara says to Nia, I just hope that one day I could grow up to be as cool of a hero as you. And Nia says, something tells me you'll be super. And hmm. there's that connection of like extraordinary things and, and the future and the legacy that Kara has, especially with relation to Nia as her mentee. Yeah. And then kind of related to that in terms of just little stray things, I had wondered as last week's half of this story cut off, if there was going to be any kind of prisoner of Azkaban-ish mischief with time, because <laughs> they have been doing so many kind of Harry Potter things, mm -hmm. and they did. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I had wondered it because of the time travel element of this story, but specifically the way that the time travel is used in Prisoner of Azkaban is Harry goes back in time to try to fix something And he doesn't understand why it isn't working and isn't working because, like, as Brainy says, the whole point is you're not supposed to see yourself. But then in Azkaban, the thing that gives Harry the confidence to succeed is he sees himself mm -hmm. and he realizes that that's what he saw. And it gives him the confidence to be able to do this thing he'd thought he was incapable of doing. Mm. And so, number one, you have Kara going back in time because she's like, I need to fix the things. But you also have the much more like emotionally close to the Azkaban thing moment with Nia telling Kat of mm. her real That's future. <laughs> her real and, future. And, and that being the thing that Kat's like, oh, I like the idea of that. I could maybe <laughs> do that. And Nia's like, yeah, <laughs> you, you can. You, could, yeah. um, you sure can. That's great. And, it, and similarly, Similarly to what you just said with the something tells me you'll be super from from mm. Nia Takara of her not, you know, saying explicitly this is what's going to happen to you. But being that vote of confidence in that way was really cool. Yeah. There were also some great just references to the time period that landed a little better in this episode than the last one. Like uh, mm -hmm. the comment about Kat and the jeggings, which just reminded <laughs> me of her criticizing Lucy in season one and being like, you're wearing yoga pants, which... Big 2020, 2021 mood. So 
And then the other thing that was just a, a funny little like aside was the zookeeper aliens being like, this doesn't smell like a blackberry when he took Kat's phone. <laughs> yeah, they were good references this episode. Felt genuine. Speaking of references in this episode and also music again a little bit, Cars, I'm 17, I don't know anything, which was definitely a little bit of Taylor Swift reference. <laughs> Very nice. But also I just laughed because... <laughs> Every single thing she was like, I don't know how to do this. I can't do the laundry. Like <laughs> the, chi- the child had all of those same freakouts when she was first on her own after she finished high school. <laughs> so I was yeah, kind yeah. of just laughing uh, <laughs> the whole time. Yeah, and those are things that she'll <laughs> she'll discover in college. <laughs> yeah, that's what college is for, Kara. It'll be fine. <laughs> Speaking of college, Alex and the lock picking was like a nice, hilarious detail because. I spent a lot of time around STEM nerds as part of my college experience. And like, that's 100% that bored science and technology kids do when they (laughs) have a lot of free time and maybe some alcohol. So (laughs) yeah, that was a nice choice. But also between that and the Alex like hanging out with the camera, I was like, are they hinting that she already kind of knows what the DEO is? Yeah. Well, I mean, she knows what it is, but like, is she involved? (laughs) And then related to Car and Alex. Some of the press releases that came out ahead of this episode, one of them included Kyler saying something about that there were a lot of little like throwbacks and things to prior episodes in terms of like body language or little character choices. And uh, there were a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I think I noticed more every time. I Every five minutes, BB goes to me. I found another one. <laughs> I, th- I think I'm up to at least six. And a lot of them were specifically like season one relevant kinds mm-hmm. of things that emphasized the relationships between the original like family characters. So like Kara and Alex, but also there were a couple that reminded me of little things with Jean as well. Mm-hmm. Like we had Kara with her determined, I'm going to do the thing face, <laughs> which we've seen so many times. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. But specifically, though, her like, I've lost my powers, but I'm still going to do something about this Mm -hmm. vibe. And the way she stands up straighter. Yep. Yeah. And like squares herself. Yes. And it reminds me of when she didn't have powers in season two when they were on the slaver's moon and Kara had been like electrocuted and stood up again to face off. That was the scene it made me think of, too. Mm, Good. Good. And then you have Alex do her traditional like commanding authority pose with her hands on her hips in yes. the barn at yes. the one point. <laughs> which which Kyler specifically called out as like something one that of the they, things. Yeah. Talked about. Yeah, and it looked really specifically like her body language in I think it was red faced mm-hmm. when they're kind of glaring at the android. Right. Yeah. <laughs> There were a couple other things that were like nods to the Black Mercy episode with Alex and Kara being separated by the police Mm. and like being held back from each other. It was very similar to how like the guards came and were like pulling Alex away. And then the other one that stood out to me was in that same scene where Alex is kind of shaking her head at Kara. And it reminded me of in the Red K episode where she does the same thing. She shakes her head at Jean and tries to tell him to run when they're going to like capture him because he's an alien. Right. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that was nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I like that. But this is also related to something we said a couple weeks ago in the podcast about how you don't necessarily always get all of those layers extracted from the text and put on the screen, depending on director choices and editing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that was brought out and emphasized really, really well. Yeah. 
Kylo did a good job. Yeah, this was a relatively complex episode in terms of the sheer variety of things <laughs> that you logistically have to figure out because you've got like the timeline mischief happening. There's a bunch of stunts. There's a lot of CGI, partially like to get around COVID, but also partially because, you know, this is a show about aliens. Um, <laughs> But there was also a lot of really significant character work that requires like a different tone and a different kind of pacing. Mm. And also this was picking up a, a two part episode and it to be continued like mid story. So you also have to match it <laughs> relatively well. So it That's was a fair. really nice job all around. Like it really matched the tone and the style of the show mm -hmm. while doing some really, really solid character work in, in a way that we don't always see. Yeah. Which was nice. I think people associate maybe directing with like like, like the arty being very artistic <laughs> or like having moments where you feel like someone is directing something and it's cool. But yeah, television, a lot of the time you want it to be matching the, the style and the tone and feel like you're not watching a special episode. You're watching an episode of the show that you come to watch every week. Yeah, it's it's similar to like being in a chorus. <laughs> like it's a team <laughs> yes, effort. You don't want to be the one person who's like hitting a wrong note. You want to match. Like, yeah, yeah, that's the goal. Yeah. <laughs> and you want to do you want to like play within that realm, of course, and have like cool yeah. shots. And there were some really nice moments that regarding the directing, if you're looking for it. But, you know, it's it's not like, this is odd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It didn't feel like out of place stylistically. It was also a really nice episode in terms of theme for mm -hmm. Kyler, specifically because this was an episode about all these women at different stages of their lives mm -hmm. figuring out not only what they want to do, but doing things that they felt like they maybe previously couldn't. Mm -hmm. And she's talked about in interviews and at events before, like wishing she'd had more opportunities for her education when she was younger because she just has been acting forever mm -hmm. and also being nervous to branch out out from acting to directing like she's talked about that since season one so yeah. it was really really awesome like that that was the focus of this episode and that she has a perspective on it that you could kind of see in in the elevation of some of the material and, and bringing out that theme yeah it was nice yes good job kyler <laughs> <laughs> a high five, <laughs> high five. <laughs> so that wraps up our episode on prom again next week is fear not which is going to be all of the characters apparently confronting their fears, which we talked about as an ideal villain before the season started. <laughs> yes. So it yeah. should be fun. And we'll also have David directing, which yeah. is awesome. It's been cool to see the trio, the main three, all direct. Yeah. And it's nice to see him again. And then after episode seven, we are on hiatus. Well, the show is on hiatus again until August 24th. Yeah. So uh, for, <laughs> for those of us who felt like it's been a breakneck <laughs> pace uh there'll be time to breathe again mm -hmm. but we'll also have some some fun episodes ahead yeah so we have the this thematic series that we were working on before the show unexpectedly came back that we're mm -hmm. gonna do we are gonna do a guest appearance on another show mm -hmm. that'll come up during the hiatus and then we'll probably have some other kind of new and fun things for everybody as well uh we have some topic suggestions that you've sent us over the last couple of months and you can send topic suggestions, comments, or questions to us on Twitter, Tumblr, or Instagram at Supergirls Attic. And thanks for listening. 